Don't we serve an amazing God? The only true God, the God of the heavens and the earth, and the creator and sustainer of all life, how thankful we must be uh, because of the greatness of our God. It is great to see you here this morning, both members and visitors alike. We thank you for your presence, for your attendance, and for you coming today to worship God with us together. Let's go to God in prayer, please. A merciful and kind Heavenly Father, hallowed be your great and amazing name. We give unto you all the praise, the honor, and the glory that is due your name. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for your great love in which you've loved the world. You sent your only Son, and he came and died. He lived perfectly and died in our behalf that we might live, that we might be able to reign with you one day and join you in the, the joys of heaven. Help us never to forget. And this morning as we worship you, we pray that you will bless us, that our minds will be rid of all worldly thought. And we'll think only on you, Lord God, and of your words, your will, and your way. That our worship might be pleasing and acceptable unto thee. These things we do ask and pray in that wonderful, magnificent, most awesome, holy, and precious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To be thy will. Amen. Another one of Satan's single ladies. <laughs> He's got a lot of them. <laughs> Miss Judge. I don't know about you, but she stung me a few times before in the past. Uh, she'll get you. We're going to talk about judging continually this morning. Misjudging. Misjudge. It's kind of like uh, this illustration uh, regarding criticizing. Uh, two taxidermists stopped before a window and immediately began to criticize the way an owl had been mounted. Its eyes were not natural. Its wings were not in proportion to its head. Its feathers were not neatly arranged. And its feet could certainly be improved. Toward the end of the critique, the old owl turned its head and winked at them. <laughs> be careful how you judge, right? Misjudge. John chapter 9. Far too often when we talk about judging and criticizing others, we forget to recognize that we don't have all the information. And when you don't have all the information, it makes it very difficult to be a judge. Or to make a just judgment call. John 9, first example. And I have a few this morning. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? They're all sinners, right? <laughs> So, which one of them did it? I mean, I know it wasn't me, but it was either him, or maybe it was his parents, or tell us about it, Jesus. And Jesus corrects their way of thinking. In verse 3, he says, It was neither that this man sinned, nor his parents, but it was in order that the works of God might be displayed in him. And here's a message from Jesus. But would you be shocked 
if this morning we recognize that even the message from Jesus sometimes isn't satisfying to us as humans. It wasn't to them. It goes on regarding the, the Pharisees and the scribes and those who would judge this, this young man and his family. In verse 26, the text says, They said therefore to him, What did he, speaking of Jesus, do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already and you do not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You do not want to become his disciples too. Do you? See, what they were looking for was not the answer. What they were looking for was their answer. You ever been there before? It wasn't good enough to hear the truth. The only thing that would have made them happy or appeased them was to hear something that tickled their ears or made them happy, right? Tell us. Tell us something that we want to hear. We don't really care about the truth. Skip down to verse 31. We know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he hears him. Since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered and said to him, we don't really care what Jesus just said. We want you to know how we feel or what we think about you. Listen to what they say. Verse 34. They answered and said to him, You were born entirely in sins. And are you teaching us? And they put him out of the temple. They put him out. Well, what did Jesus just say? Sometimes what Jesus says isn't good enough. To satisfy our hearts. Maybe our bloodthirsty minds. Our desire to criticize. And even the misjudgment that we find in our hearts. Turn over to Luke chapter 13. It's very important that we, as we've been looking, we've been talking about judging for, for several weeks. And it's very important now that we're talking about, you know, this, this misjudgment, right? It's to misjudge something, isn't it? To misconstrue. It's important that we, we try to get all of the information. And when you don't have all of the facts or all of the information, what do you think the best thing to do might be? There you go. Just zip it. Right? Get it out of your mind. Pray to God. Ask Him for help. We don't have to know everything. and We don't have to try to be the judge. We have a judge. God. Luke 13, verse 1. Now on the same occasion, there was some present who reported to him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate has mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were greater sinners than all Galileans because they suffered this fate? You see, that's sometimes what we think, right? Well, these people are suffering because they're bad people. Where'd you get that from? Well, well these Galileans, well, well, they suffered a horrible fate because they were wicked people. Well, where'd you get that from? And, and you know what Jesus' answer to this comment is? His answer is, I tell you no. 
Verse 3, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. You know what God is saying, right? How about this? How about instead of trying to figure out if these Galileans were worse than others, how about you just look to yourself and get your life right? Unless you repent, you will likewise perish. He goes on in verse 4. Or do you suppose that those 18 on whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed them were worse culprits than all the men who live in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Wow. First Samuel, please. Chapter 1. What have we been saying? We've been saying the same thing over and over again. God's been saying the same thing over and over again. Instead of worrying about everyone else, just keep looking to self, right? Just keep looking to self. Read the Bible. Keep looking to self. Work on self. Work on me. Tony, work on me. Tony, work on yourself. Work on yourself. Work on yourself. Work on yourself. Work on yourselves. Right. Hmm. I got a lot of work to do. Start working on myself. Okay, so here's a situation with, with Elkanah and, and, and his wives and Penaniah and Hannah. And I want, I want to grab down in verse, verse 4. And when the day came that Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Penaniah, his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival however, would provoke her bitterly, that's Penaniah, to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. And it happened year after year, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she would provoke her. So she wept and would not eat. So imagine this, that God has closed your womb and, and, and your, your husband, you know, in those days, Elkanah had a couple of wives and Penaniah, the, the wife, she says, you know, I'm better than you. God's given me children, and you can have none. I, look at me, look at you. I mean, she just made her life miserable. And she had to go through this. Hannah had to go through this year after year after year. I know she just wanted to go to the house of the Lord, but she hated going to the house of the Lord because of that person. Church, don't be that person. Sadly enough, some of those folks exist in the Lord's church. She had to go. She had to go. She went. And verse 10 says, She greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord, and wept bitterly. So, I mean, she was tremendously heartbroken. I mean, you know, she could accept the God's will. God's will may have been that she have no children. If that's God's will, she could accept that. But Penaniah would not let it go. She kept making her life miserable every single day year. And her husband didn't understand. In verse 12, now it came about as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli was watching her mouth. As for Hannah, she was speaking in her heart. Only her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. So Eli... Mr. Mr. Priest judged her. 
misjudged her. He thought, oh, you know, she's drunk. So now it's my job to go over to her and critique her. Sad sometimes when the reality hits home, right? Oh, how wrong he was. The next verse says, verse 14, Then Eli said to her, How long will you make yourself drunk? Put away your wine from you. But Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman oppressed in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. I don't know about you, but he had to feel like like this big. What a huge mistake to accuse an already heartbroken, bitter woman of another sin as if she had done something wrong. Oh, how wrong he was. Think about David. David being pursued by Saul relentlessly. Think, think about Jonah. You know, he was supposed to go to Nineveh, but he, he thought of those people. He said, those folks are not worth saving. Think about Job. Let's go to Job chapter 40. Job chapter 4, rather, excuse me. Think about Job. The man is, is already in misery, right? And suffering and, and struggling. And then it's interesting how the Bible says his three friends. <laughs> friends like this, we don't need enemies. And Job's three friends come along and they say, you sinner, that's why you're suffering. That's what's wrong with you. Look at how, look at us. See, we're not sinning. You've sinned, we, we've not. We're better than you, Job. Get it together, Job. While he's suffering in agony and pain, having lost his loved ones and his possessions, and you know the account of Job. And I want to go to verse 7. I want to grab verse 7. Job 4, verse 7. Remember now, this is Eliphaz who's criticizing Job. Remember now, whoever perished being innocent, or where were the upright destroyed? According to what I've seen, those who plow iniquity and those who sow trouble harvest it. By the breath of God they perish, and by the blast of his anger they come to an end. And see, Job, that's, when you read the account, right, they're saying to him, you know, that's why your family died, and then that's why your, your, your servants died, and that's why all your stuff's gone, and that's why you're suffering, because Job, you did it. You, you committed that sin. And Job, throughout this, uh, this oration, continues to say, I, I didn't do that. I didn't commit that sin. But they were relentless. They wouldn't give up. Look at chapter 22. Chapter 22. And brethren, don't, in your life, as you're living life, don't misjudge. I know you might say, well, well preacher, that's almost impossible. Well, well learn, how to, learn how to zip it. <laughs> I mean, right? If I can't make the right judgment, maybe I ought to just zip it. Everyone doesn't have to hear what you think or what I think, right? Chapter 22. Verse 5, nope, Eliphaz is not finished. And, and by the way, all of his friends spoke this way. Is not your wickedness great 
and your iniquities without end. I mean, Job, you've done such a horrible thing that, I mean, that's why God is punishing you. See, we have all the answers. Really? Do you? 42. Job 42. In verse 7, please. And it came about after the Lord had spoken these words to Job. The Lord said to Eliphaz the Timonite, My wrath that you said was on Job? No. See, you had this all wrong. My wrath is kindled against you and against your two friends because you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. Now therefore, take for yourselves seven bulls, even seven rams, and go to my servant. Wait, 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 you want us to go to Job and ask him to pray for us? Yeah. Yeah, it's time for you to eat crow mud pie right now, right? Go to my servant, Job. He will pray for you, but I will accept him so that I may not do with you according to your folly because you have not spoken to me what is right as my servant Job has. Are we really that? Is that, a, is that, a, is that a, an accurate picture of, of some humans? We really need help, don't we? Please turn to 2 Samuel, chapter, chapter 10. David, you know, while he was fleeing from, from Saul, uh, he, he, just, he really didn't know where to go. In, fa- in fact, at one time he, he ran over to the, the Philistines. And, you know, and God protected David. And, and, and what, a, what a life that David had to live for some time. And... While David was fleeing, or some, at some point in David's life, there, there was a man um, named Naash. He was a king, and he was good to David. We don't really, I don't know, personally, I don't personally know where the account is. I could say this is definitely the account uh, where the Ammonites, if you will, helped David. There are many occasions. But there was, a, there was this occasion where where David was tremendously helped. Nahash, he dies. Verse 1, please. Now it happened afterwards that the king of the Ammonites died, and Hanan, his son, became king in his place. Then David said, I will show kindness to Hanan, the son of Nahash, just as his father showed kindness to me. So David sent some of his servants to console him concerning his father. But when David's servants came to the land of the Ammonites. I'll come back to that in just a moment. How do I accurately discern a situation? Right? It's a good question, right? To ask myself. Here's a situation in front of me. How do I accurately discern this particular situation? Now, some things I think ought to come into play. Uh, number one, I ought to ensure that I'm listening carefully. Uh, number two, that I try to understand uh, people's history. I think that plays a part, right? Their, their culture, their, their traditions, uh, maybe the age of their Christianity, the, 
you know, the, their walk of life. Someone said once, uh, uh, don't judge a man until you walked a mile in his shoes. Until I've stepped back for just a moment to try to ascertain or understand all of, all of everything that is involved. Maybe then I ought to reserve myself for judgment. This is what um, Hanan's men, his wise men, his princes did not do. They didn't understand the history between David and Hanan's father. Verse 3 says, The princes of the Ammonites said to Hanan their lord, Do you think that David is honoring your father because he has sent counselors to you? Has David not sent his servants to you in order to search the city, to spy it out, and overthrow it? So Hanan took David's servants and shaved off half of their beards and cut off their garments on the middle as far as their hips and sent them away. And they were ashamed and humiliated. And Personal judgment. Personal judgment. Only God knows our hearts, right? Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 16. Let me just be honest with you. Over the... Uh, Many years of, of ministry, I've met a lot of suffering people in and out of the country. And you know, people are hurting. Right? There's a lot going on. It's not just, not just, COVID didn't, you know, begin our pain, if you will. Uh, people have been hurting for years. Daughters are hurting. Sons are hurting. Fathers are hurting. Mothers are hurting. Aunts and uncles. People are hurting. You know why people are hurting? Because there's an adversary out there, Satan. He's trying to hurt us all. And what happens is sometimes, sometimes we, we forget to look into the pain of our, ourselves. And that's what hinders us from being able to be empathetic and understand the pain of, of others. People are hurting, church. Right? And, and what we don't what we don't need and what, what you don't need and what I don't need is for one other person, another person to come along the way and then make me hurt more, right? Increase my pain with, with misjudgment. Brethren, we, we got to do better at this, right? We have to do better at this. We have to learn to see things as God sees them, right? Next week, we'll talk about righteous judgment. We'll get there. But you know, when we, when we get there, you've got to be honest with that word righteous, don't you? <laughs> right? Not your righteousness. God's righteousness. Right? Do I think like God? Do I see as God sees? What is my motive? That's the question. Proverbs 16. That's the question that, that comes to mind. What is my motive? Yeah, I don't know when I, I, I tried to develop this lesson and I, maybe you might have more insight on it and I, I don't. I'm, I'm working. I mean, it's, I, it came to mind years ago and it, it's still there. I just haven't put it together yet. God doesn't want to be right. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm still working on that one. You know, not, not that God doesn't want to be right. I, you know, I'm trying to work. How do you even formulate that idea in your mind? God doesn't want to be right. God doesn't want to be, you know, I told you so. Well, yeah, of course. Now you're suffering because God was 
told you and you didn't listen. And but God didn't want us to hurt, right? Yeah, let me work on that. I don't even know if I'm saying it correctly. But Proverbs 16, verse 1. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. And all the ways of a man are clean in his own sight, but the Lord weighs the motives. And so God is looking at us in a way that, that no person can look at me. Turn to Hebrews, please, chapter 4. See, no person can look at me the way that God can look at me. No person can look at you the way that God can look at you. Because I wasn't there when your pain began. I wasn't there when you began to suffer. I wasn't there as you struggled with this and struggled with that. And as you looked to God for help, I wasn't there. I didn't feel what you felt. You didn't feel what I feel or what I felt. I wasn't there. So I have to learn to step back and look at things the way that, that God looks at them. See things the way that God sees them. And, and, I, and I want to go back to for, uh, Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 16. Because when, when Samuel went to look for the king that would replace King Saul. Those brothers passed by and were worthy candidates. But you have to love what is stated by the Lord. Verse 7, please. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance. We're visual, aren't we? Stop looking at people's appearance. Start looking at their souls. Or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I wasn't there. Now go to Hebrews chapter 4, please. I wasn't there when, when the troubles in your home existed. And then, then we as family members come out of the home and pretend like everything's okay. You weren't there. So be careful how we judge each other. And then ask ourselves, do I really even have to be the judge? Some of you are judging me right now. Well, yeah, you have to be the judge. I know, there's some discernment. We'll get there. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, please. The word of, the, of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And, and so, so God's word is, is able to, to, to part us in the right way, right? Soul and, and spirit. God looks at the, the motive, if you will, the intention behind what... I know, I know 
sometimes my intention doesn't work out, but God looks at me in a way that no human does. Thank you, God. I'm just thankful God's my judge. Job chapter 40, please. So let's begin to wrap this up. So, so the easiest target in the, in the mind of man, for, for whatever reason, at least in our minds, right, is God. Right? If you, you want to judge someone, you want to judge, then let's just judge God. That's, he's an easy target because God is not audibly speaking to us today. And so humanity does that so often. They just judge God. Right? Let's be the judge of God. We're not, we're not, God is not even off the table. Isn't that amazing? God is on the chalking block for humans. Let me remind you of some of the things that we might say. Why would a perfectly loving, just, and good God allow this to happen? Oh, there we go. Here's our judgment. You know, if God was so right and so beautiful and so, and there we are judging God. You've heard it. How about this one? I don't know why. He. And then we go on blank, blank, blank. I, I don't know. I, I would never. I would. If I were. You ever heard this one? If I were God. <laughs> I just. Well. Job 40. Verse 1. And the Lord said to Job. Will the fault finder contend with the Almighty? Let him who reproves God answer it. So what, what are you going to fix? What am I going to fix, right? I, I've got this thing all figured out. I know I'm the fault finder, but there, I would do things differently, wouldn't you? What would you do differently? If you had all the information and you had all the facts, what would you do differently? Why do we have to go to church? <laughs> ever, ever heard that one? No, you get to go. <laughs> you don't have to go. We get to go. It's a privilege. Thank you, Lord. Ever, you ever heard that one? Why would God, why? He's an easy target. Verse 6, same chapter. The Lord answered Job out of the storm and said, Now grow up your loins like a man, I will ask you, and you instruct me. Will you really annul my judgment? Will you condemn me that you may be, oh, there's the answer right there. Now I get it. I condemn other people so that I can be justified. <laughs> oh. And I even condemn God the same way. How about you? Mark, chapter 14. You say, well, that's Job. That's like the beginning of the Bible, and we've learned so much, and we've grown since then as, as a people, and you know, we're better now. We're more innovative. We, we have more structure and understanding and well, how about Jesus? What about Jesus? Would Jesus have suffered such a cruel death if it weren't for this old single lady misjudging the judgment of humanity? Verse 60, please. And the high priest stood up and came forward and questioned Jesus, saying, Do you make no answer? What is it that these men are testifying against you? But he kept silent and made no answer. Again, the high priest was questioning him and saying to him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? And Jesus said, I 
am. And you shall see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand, the power coming with the clouds of heaven. And tearing his clothes, the high priest said, What further need do we have of witness? You have heard the blasphemy. How does it seem to you? And they all condemned him to be deserving of death. Have you ever been so wrong? Acts chapter 2. Have you ever been so wrong? I have. Been on both sides of that coin. What do you do about it? Verse 22. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man, delivered up by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. And God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. What do you do with this? God tells us. And I close with what God has to say. Beginning at verse 38. And Peter said to them, Repent, and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then, those who had received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. The lesson is yours. If we can help in any way, please come while together we stand and